I apologize for the late episode. We have been busy, and also we forgot that it was Mother's Day this past Sunday. We apologize for the late episode, but I hope you enjoy this little episode we pieced together about an interesting musical. And for any future delays, or if you want to keep up with what's going on, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Clio History, and it can give you updates on exactly what's going on in our lives. If we're going to be late, if we have an episode, and uh, see any weird tweets we put out. All right, uh, to the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Cleocast, episode 18, where we're not actually going to tell you the uh, what this one's going to be about yet, even though you can read the title of it, because it's a surprise. I'm RC. And I'm Matt. And we have a special guest today who knows things about theater that we don't. Hello, I'm Kelly. With that, we're going to get right into the episode. Now, based off of this episode's name, you might think it's about the 2008 stock market crash. But actually, it's about the play or musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark that premiered in 2011. Now, the problem that I personally have is I know nothing about musicals or plays or anything about Broadway, which is why we need an expert. And that's who we have today. So we're going to go ahead and let Kelly do a bit of the talking, and we'll ask questions throughout this. So, Kelly, uh, could you please introduce us to what exactly is a musical? Well, if you're one of the few people out there who don't know what a musical is, a musical is like a play, you know, live performance, except it has dance numbers and singing. Yep. Okay, yeah, that was kind of a dumb question, but uh, let's go ahead and get into the main topic. Uh, So around 2002, from our research done, the Spider-Man movie came out, and there was a lot of hype around Spider-Man, but there was also a parallel to the movie, which was the theatrical production of this. Could you give us some details about the early life of Spider-Man, the musical? So the movie came out in May of 2002, and then following the success of that film, Marvel announced in August of 2002 that Tony Adams was going to produce a Spider-Man musical. Unfortunately, after getting a team together for this musical, Adams has a stroke in uh, October of 2005, and two days after that, dies. Despite this setback, the creative team that he had brought together decides to move on with the project anyways. Adam's partner, David Garfinkel, okay, uh, he takes over for the production of this musical, and he doesn't know much about producing a musical. He's an entertainment lawyer. So he decides to leave the uh, creative part of the production, and, well, most of the production, in the hands of the uh, director that was hired on by Adams, Julie Taymor. Now, I know absolutely nothing about musicals or Broadway, but Julie Taymor is a name that sounds familiar. Would it be possible for you to go into exactly who she is or why I know her name? But also, why are they getting an entertainment lawyer to do this? That doesn't seem like a recipe for success. I mean, sure, he's probably a good lawyer, but... Is he really a good producer to put together a, like a musical? To address that second question, I do not know why David Garfinkel got involved. I don't know who he is. He just did. Um, 
as for who Julie Taymor is, uh, she is the creative mind behind The Lion King. For anyone who has seen The Lion King, well, you know what makes her so great. For any of you who haven't, The Lion King, the Broadway production, is an artistic masterpiece. And, you know, at first thought, Julie Taymor is an amazing director to bring on for this. But there's one problem. Julie Taymor works great under supervision and um, restriction. Uh, (laughs) Giving her full control over the musical without any oversight. I mean, she's a perfectionist. So they were already setting themselves up for failure. But that comes later. So anyways... I guess my big question for right now is why a musical? Like I get that Spider-Man's popular and all that, but why why not like a play or something? Why does it have to have music? Because Broadway brings in money and Broadway only does musicals, not plays. Next question. Well, I guess that answers that question, but I guess another thing I'm wondering is like I mean it's just a musical. It can't be that expensive, right? Like I get that they have to, like, license Spider-Man from Sony, but other than that, like, how much would this thing even cost? Well, the usual cost for a Broadway musical, or the usual budget, is somewhere between 5 and $15 million. This musical is different. Let's go over the timeline real quick. Uh, in 2007, they begin readings for the musical, uh, and uh, that gets delayed, and... By 2009, they're already $25 million in debt. Wait, so in two years, they've lost not only all their money, but their $20 million in the hole? Like, how does that even happen? I'm not 100% sure how it happened, but my guess would be that, you know, they're still paying the creative team on this. Uh, and that creative team is stacked. Like, I already mentioned Julie Taymor. On this creative team as well is Bono and the Edge doing the music. Uh, You've got Daniel... uh, Apologies for my mispronunciations real quick. Uh, Daniel Ezra Lowe. He's in charge of the choreography for this show. And he actually did the choreography for Cats the Musical. Which, if you haven't seen the musical production of Cats... The whole emphasis of the show was on the dancing. So there's that. And then they got George Tispin. Tispin. Uh, yeah, for the set. He's an amazing sculptor. And he's only done like two other shows. But I highly recommend, if you get the chance, look up his production of West Side Story. Beautiful set. Then you have Iko Ishioka. I think I'm saying that right. She did the costumes, and she's very well-known in film. I mean, she's Academy Award winning. But, yeah, no, she's super talented. And then you got Tony Award winning Donald Holder, who does lighting design. I mean, this is a really stacked production crew. So paying them alone for two years... Yeah, it's not that surprising they ended up $26 million in debt, not to mention things like rights and other stuff they might have to pay for. They got Bono, like Bono from U2. Well, okay, so 
th- this is looking up, other than it taking two years, if you have so many professionals in a room working on something, I I don't understand how this could not be a success. This this thing is r- designed, although it's taking a while, you have masters of the craft working on a situation uh, that really, like, I, it, it it's incomprehensible that this could ever go wrong. So, like, but we know for the whole point of this, this story is it does have problems. Where do those start other than with the taking two years and some financial issues? And that brings us back to Julie Taymor. Ah, yes. So being unsupervised, uh, nobody held her that closely to the source material. And being the creative mind that she is, she wanted to uh, implement some stuff that isn't in the comics. Uh, To summarize her vision and her uh, version of the script her original version, uh, the show opens with Arachne, the weaver who was turned into a spider by Athena, gifting her powers to Peter Parker and uh, calling him to be Spider-Man, falling in love with him, getting upset that he doesn't reciprocate that love, and then turning into a villain who wants to destroy the world, or no, Steal everyone's shoes. That's what it is. Steal everyone's shoes because Spider-Man won't date her. That's a very rough summary, but I'm not exaggerating anything. (laughs) What? Arachne. So they have a, like, Greek myth giving powers to Peter Parker and stealing shoes. That This lady did Lion King. Uh, okay, okay, well, uh, Kelly, continue, but uh, that seems a bit ridiculous. Yeah, again, Lion King was such a, such a success because Disney didn't allow her to mess too much with the script. Um, again, this is where Spider-Man fails in that she had too much creative freedom and nobody holding her to the source material. Uh, but moving forward... Yeah, that script, it wasn't good. Um, when when critics saw the show, they panned it. It was bad. Um, some saying it ranked among the worst musicals ever written. Uh, and at some point, Julie Taymor was fired. Um, and an attempt was made to fix the script, but with money being already spent on the set and costumes and there being no room in the budget to change much, the revisions had to follow with what was already laid out in terms of scenery, costumes, flying, and whatnot. Um, And you you went from what was a really bad show to what critics called... uh, Boring. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, their revisions made the show go from interestingly bad to just boringly okay, I guess. And that's just part of what made the show such a flop. So, I mean, 
it's probably not often that such a you know important and big person in the industry like Julie Taymor from what you've uh, said gets fired but I mean I guess it seems justified but still like this thing still hasn't gone out to general audiences on Broadway yet from my understanding from where we're at in the story it's just been panned by uh, critics so I mean like how one how much is this costing since they have to rewrite the entire thing and two like the thing that I know about the Spider-Man musical in general is its injuries and its uh, flair for the fantastic stunts of people swinging around the theater. What what exactly goes on with uh, both the cost overruns and also, you know, the swinging around the theater? You're right that it hasn't gone out to the public yet, but it's not just poor reviews working against this show. There's also the very bad publicity. This show was in the media for injuries often. Um, in total, there were about six different people injured during uh, the uh, lead up to the premiere. You had at least two different uh, stunt doubles got hurt while flying. Uh, one of the stunt doubles uh, broke his wrist while flying. Another stunt double... Uh, broke their foot in the exact same flying routine. The New York State Department of Labor actually came in uh, February 2011 and cited two different workplace safety violations and the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration, also known as OSHA, came in March 2011 and fined them twelve thousand six hundred dollars for three serious safety violations are injuries to be expected and is that it for injuries i mean i know there's the one famous one which i will get into but it i mean are there any more or do they increase drastically also i mean kelly would you be able to go into a bit more about exactly how the set was set up and designed i mean injuries are to be expected in most theater productions, but nothing of this caliber just because of the amount of flying that was in it. Flying always makes things a bit more dangerous. Um, and, I mean, this show was mostly flying. Add on to that, the set was designed to move. I mean, this was probably the most technical show to ever hit Broadway. Um there was a lot of moving pieces, a lot of large moving pieces, and that led to more injuries than usual. It also doesn't help that injuries made it out to the public. Usually, theaters try to do their best to keep that stuff in-house. Otherwise, you get a big game of telephone. Uh, for example, I had a theater professor tell me she had a friend who was working on the show and as she left the theater she was bombarded by reporters asking her about one of the injuries and assuming that someone had died and she didn't know anything because she was simply a lighting crew member and yeah it those reports made things harder on the production team wait but did, did they die no, no one died. 
but we had two major injuries happen one of them a little bit less severe than the other uh the first one i'm talking about is natalie mendoza she got a concussion from equipment in the wings she didn't report it at first and tried to just keep doing the show but some of the aerial stunts that she was supposed to perform it caused it to get worse and she had to pull out from the show um Daniel Curry, he got pinned under a piece of equipment and suffered from leg trauma. And the big one that most people know about, if they know anything about this show, is uh, Christopher Tierney. During the uh, December 20th, 2010 performance in front of a live audience, uh, Christopher Tierney, who was the stunt double for Spider-Man, fell 21 feet from the stage into the pit, breaking four vertebrae, four ribs, fracturing his elbow, his scapula, and his skull. Despite all of this, he came back in uh, April of 2011 to continue working on the show after doctors released him. Uh, I, I am speechless. One, that he was able to come back, but two... Uh, the gross negligence that results in such an extreme injury—that is, wow. Um, I mean, I know this is an audio medium, but I am speechless. I have no idea what to say. That—that uh, that is the famous uh, injury, but I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, and clearly, there was issues with the production. But honestly, like. Did it even make back any money or were there any like lawsuits or issues financially because of this, you know, incident? Yeah, no, I mean, before I move on, well, back to the budget and stuff, all the money stuff of this show, I want to read off a quote from Tierney after the accident. Uh, In an interview with ABC News, he said, I went out for the jump. I'm contained by my tether, and that's why I'm always, you know, it will stop me. And so I always go for it. I didn't factor in somebody's mistake, you know, back there. And so, yes, I took a dive, but it was worth it. So anyways, going back to that $25 million in debt in 2009, uh, around the same time, Disney was aiming to buy Marvel uh, but, of course, they offered no help to the Broadway production. Granted, this gets stated in a lot of uh, accounts of why this musical failed, and I think it kind of ignores the fact that Disney, despite wanting to buy Marvel, they wouldn't have access to Spider-Man because of Sony, but, you know, whatever. It always gets brought up. Um, and also, at some point... Bono brings in uh, Michael Cole to produce. Uh, This is at some point, I think, after Julie Taymor leaves. So in 2010, Cole is able to raise the funds for them to continue to produce. And then by November of 2010, there's $65 million uh, in debt. Um, And they continue to uh, delay the show to fix things and whatnot 
And um, by the time you get to that 2011 opener, you're $75 million down. And this doesn't even account for the running cost being $1 million per week to run this show. And there's a general guess as to what, like, the that money, where it was distributed. Uh, the best guess I could find was somebody stating that $9.7 million was spent on set and costumes. $4.4 million was uh, spent to rent out the theater for two years. Uh, $2.2 million was for flying equipment. And again, like I said before, the $1.3 million to run the show every week. I just, I also find it entertaining that Bono is the one leading the charge on this thing. Uh, the Irish singer and songwriter and uh, frontman of U2 is a part of a Spider-Man musical. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's entertaining. But uh, Kelly, please, please go on on exactly, you know, uh, the financial issues of this uh, play. Yeah, so with those numbers... In hindsight, we know that they were never going to make that back. But within their first full week of running, they had the highest box office gross on Broadway at $1.5 million. Now, ticket sales improved uh, during the summer, and a lot of the audience members who were seeing this show were actually uh, foreign tourists. And... You know, it earned about 100000 to 300000 in net income each week. But doing the math with that, that means it would have to continue playing for at least five years just to break even. And, uh, yeah, that, it, it didn't keep up those numbers. As sales declined in the uh, last week of September in 2013. And on November 19th of 2013, producers announced that the show would be closed on January 4th of 2014. That show ran for three years on Broadway, failing to make back its $75 million cost, meaning that it reportedly lost about 60 million dollars so is this like a like a producer's thing like a mel brooks joke where they're just trying to like lose money for some like money laundering situation or like as a tax fraud thing because that's like you know mel brooks wrote the producers basically to show that like you could make money by losing money uh to make fun of broadway is that like is this one of those situations to my knowledge, no. There's nothing I found online that indicates this at all. It was just a colossal failure. And again, to put this back into perspective, the second highest budget for a Broadway musical ever is Shrek the Musical at $25 million. It's not even half of the Spider-Man budget. Like, it's an anomaly that I don't think anyone could reproduce if they wanted to. Well, this is 
tragic. Uh, seems like it had a lot of potential, and really it just turned out to be a failure. And uh, that's what you should look out for if you're ever in New York City, is to make sure that whatever play you're going to is going to be the next Spider-Man. But over this little recording session, uh, RC has developed some theories about why this play actually flopped, and uh, we're going to go ahead and let him take it away. I guess just my general thinking is you got this play that's coming out around 2008, 2010. What also debuted in 2008 to 2010? Well, the Great Recession, right? And that's my theory is that I think that this show, half the reason it did so poorly in box office numbers was not only that it was written poorly, but also that a lot of people were suddenly unemployed, right? So all of a sudden you got all these people that don't have the disposable income to go to a nice Broadway show and they don't want to go to like some fun poppy, you know, Spider-Man show because they're not feeling that happy. You know, they got to go see like Thor in theaters instead and get depressed. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Now, is there any merit at all to my theory? Because I'm going to write a book about it. Okay, one, actually, I would have loved to been one of the few people to see that while it was on Broadway. <laughs> And two, yeah, that theory doesn't hold water. Why? Because one, I've checked the numbers and Broadway, all the other shows that debuted on Broadway around the same time as Spider-Man did just fine. Uh, it was just Broadway or it was just Spider-Man. Um, and two, the type of people who see Broadway shows like on Broadway, uh, they weren't the ones hit by the recession as hard. So money isn't an object to them. They literally go to see Broadway shows. <laughs> so I guess the one last question I have is, have there been any like other attempts to kind of break the record for large budget? Because I know that movies just keep getting more and more and more expensive. Like every year, it seems like the budgets get larger and larger and the pays get larger and larger. You know, like Endgame made like $2 billion. Is Broadway going the same way? Like, are we going to at some point get a Broadway play musical that has a budget larger than this? Absolutely not. Uh, so far, the lessons that Broadway has learned is... If it has a really big budget, it's probably not going to do well. Um, a lot of Broadway's highest budget musicals just don't do well. And while I'm not 100% sure as to why, my guess would be that a lot of those big budget musicals put a lot of their money into the technical side, but they're doing it in such a way that usually they're filling in the gaps for the writing and the songs. And the number one thing that can destroy a musical is bad writing and bad musical numbers. If people don't like your music or if people don't like the story of the show they're watching, they're not going to watch it. No matter how cool your special effects are. So, I mean, I guess it's just the special effects is for the movies. It's for a new Spider-Man movie. It's for a new uh, Marvel movie. It's not for a Broadway play, right? That's the thing. It can work in Broadway. There's plenty of shows out there that are constantly on Broadway because of the technical aspects of them, but they're not doing the heavy lifting on their own. They're partnered with good writing, good music. So, I mean, really, the moral of the story here is that 
you can't just put all your budget into like set and costumes and lighting unless you have a good story and good music to support it because at the end of the day that's what musicals are about and that's what theater's about it's about the stories and the music and everything else is secondary well that's all i have on this uh, horrific disaster that is spider-man turn off the dark and i'd like to thank kelly for uh being here with us and uh kelly do you have any closing remarks I just want to thank you guys for having me on. And uh, there are a few different unions that uh, if you want to support uh, theaters that you can support, there's IATSE, which is for uh, the tech side. And then there is Ac- Actors Equity, which is for the stage actors and stage managers. And if you have the chance, go out to your local theater and watch a show. Support live theater, especially after... Uh, everything that's happened in the past few years uh, theater has been struggling to open back up and uh, yeah they could use your support right now so uh, I think that's it once again I'd like to thank Kelly uh, this is our first uh, subject matter expert on the podcast if you want to see more of that uh, go ahead and uh, you can tweet it at us at at Cleo history you can email us at Cleo history podcast at gmail.com or you can go ahead and uh, follow us anywhere else that you might see us, like on Acast or, uh, or anywhere else you find your podcasts. This has been the Cleocast. I've been Matt. And I've been RC. And I have been Kelly. And this has been the Cleocast about uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Thank you.